Welcome back to another episode of LEO Radio. And for today's topic, we're going to be discussing toxic employees. And with me, I have Jason Felsing, Steve Henry, and myself, Jim Harris. And the reason we're bringing up the toxic employee is because throughout the country, we go and teach our command series classes. Command series level one, that's our first line supervisor course for anybody who's involved in supervision, whether you're acting in the capacity of a supervisor, you should be trained. Whether you're new or you're just um, getting into the supervision rank, you need to be trained. And obviously if you're a seasoned supervisor, you need those updates. And in our command two course, we talk to our middle managers, lieutenants, captains, commanders, and discuss how to supervise your supervisors. Inevitably, in every single one of these classes, especially even last last week, uh, we had a team go out to Idaho. Um, we got done with a, a, a Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We just did a class in New Jersey. In all of these courses, we have an open discussion time frame, and during that time frame, we always, always, always get the topic of the toxic employee. So, Jay. Just uh, kind of go through what is that toxic employee? So, like I said, or like I believe, honestly, employees that honestly have like a vendetta, they have a cause that just juxtaposes what an agency or an organization is doing. And it's not just in law enforcement. I, I came from the restaurant industry and literally it's impossible to find a not toxic employee in the kitchen because these guys, these guys and girls are getting destroyed every day, and that's just their vendetta against the company or the restaurant. So, but in, in in any other type of organization, like a law enforcement agency or something like that, it's honestly somebody that's knowledgeable, but they're using that knowledge in the wrong way. If that makes sense, it absolutely does. And uh, one of the people that could definitely speak to the aspects of dealing with toxic employees or dealing with all employees in different realms, whether it be the corporate world or the private world, uh, the the uh, public sector world, is Steve. You've had the opportunity to serve in different capacities um, in, in, in the profession. Yes. Yeah, so also the aspect of government employees versus private employees is much different. The issue comes when the individual is employed by a government sector they have more protections, they have more rights. The individual that's working for corporate America or even just uh, regular civilian work, they have that ability to be disciplined and terminated at a much easier pace. So in a toxic employee, especially in law enforcement and especially um, states where there is a collective bargaining agreements, there is a true path of protection for individuals. So if somebody is a toxic employee or a marginal employee and they just go up to that line all the time, they know that line. They know that line usually better than the employer itself. And that's where we see the problem because to formally discipline a toxic employee is, if you really go bad out of it, and this is the way I always, always talk about it with um, my other fellow supervisors when we talk about people with attitudes. How do you describe somebody that has a poor attitude? And well, his tone, his um, his body language or her body language, the way they express themselves is in negative fashion. However, if you wrote down what they said in black and white and read it back, 
there's no violation. There's no attitude attached to it. So that's one of the protections that toxic employees always have, the ability to act in a way that um, is hampering the organization, but at the same time, hasn't crossed that line. I'm kind of I'm glad you brought that up because there is a distinct difference between a person who just has a poor attitude, a person who's a poor performer, and then somebody who is toxic to the organization. Um, when you have that marginal employee, that's a person who, for some reason or another, they fall right at the line, right at the, the line of expectation. Every agency, you have your expectation of what you want out of your people. And a marginal employee, they never fall below the line. They're, they're riding that line right, right at it. And we could talk to them about performance, wanting to increase their performance, but they're, they're really just affecting themselves. Now, other people may be looking at them at that moment. They may be saying, hey, you know, why isn't he doing what he should be doing? But they're not really impacting everybody else. It's just their performance and, and what people are perceiving. But then they can become one of two paths. A problem employee, that's where they, they start to develop like alcoholism. You start to have problems, really serious problems that impact themselves. And then that may start to impact the, the working environment. But the, the toxic employee, they know what they're doing. They know their policies. They will call you on their policies. In fact, they will become difficult employees to supervise because they will push you to your limits as a supervisor and eventually becoming toxic to the work environment where they are not only impacting the performance level, but they are actually impacting the team. Now, I know before we actually went on uh, live on the recording, uh, Steve, you were talking about um, how a toxic employee actually affected your dispatch. Yes. Yeah, so the, just the attitude, the, um, the way they spoke on the radio that the dispatchers would actually complain. They were fearful of giving this individual calls because it was such a um, aggressive or condescending type of communication that they literally didn't want to give the officer calls. And it's amazing that somebody can grasp that much power uh, over somebody else just by communicating their negative feelings. And uh, it was much, very difficult. And in fact, it's your toxic employee. It's not the poor me attitude. Your toxic employees are really those who feel superior than their teammates. Those who um, they are de-energizing the team to put themselves up even higher on a pedestal. They are frustrating to the other employees because the other people on your team are being put down. Nobody's going to live up to this person's standard. Nobody's better than this person they start to feel superior than all others. And in fact, that is when the toxicity really increases and really negatively impacts your team. Right. And that's where a lot of times these situations occur or where they began is when that individual took their first supervisory test or they went for that first um, special assignment or whatever it may be, and they were not given that special assignment. And they feel whether justified or not, that the other individuals that received the promotion or received the special assignment were not as deserving as them. And this is where the bitterness comes in. And after time, based on the situation and their personality, 
that individual becomes a problem for either that direct person that got the promotion above them or just the administration as a whole. It's their way of going after the administration because they feel slighted. So by doing that, what a lot of them do, or I've seen the vast majority of them do, is they become policy experts and they become uh, contract experts. So they know the policy usually better than anybody in the organization. They'll know their collective bargaining agreement usually better than anybody in the organization. And they will be very quick to point out when, especially if a supervisor or command staff officer violates or doesn't follow by the letter a policy or a collective bargaining agreement issue. And as we all know in law enforcement, it's a great job. If we lived with our policies, black and white, day in and day out, we wouldn't get anything done. So this is where they get pretty much grab their power from. So now that we kind of know like the differences between what a marginal employee is, difficult, toxic, and what is it, Jay, when you're looking at dealing with a toxic employee, what's one of the first things we should be doing to deal with them? So you have to kind of analyze what that employee's about. I mean, you have to kind of get to the root cause of what's possibly causing this toxicity. I mean, it could be something in their personal life. It could be something at work. They could be having a riff with a coworker or, you know, another person on their squad or in their unit. You have to kind of delve into that first to kind of figure out at least why this is happening. That's a good point because like we were just saying, when you're looking at the behavior of the person involved. Remember, we're dealing with individuals and when you're looking at their behavior, typically speaking, if it's an issue in the personal life or a frustration with a specific coworker, it's not really going to be at the level of toxic employee. You may be just be dealing with uh, getting, like you said, Jay, getting to the root cause of the issue. That root cause might be very specific to them or a specific situation. And once you solve that or put something, some steps in motion to fix that specific issue, then they don't become toxic. They don't become difficult. You might stop that, that transition from marginal problem to that difficult toxic level. So actually getting to that root cause, that's a, a good point. If you don't figure that out early, that's when things start to fester. And I've seen it. I've seen it personally, you know, in, in multiple different agencies, organizations. It's just those are the individuals that they don't feel heard. So then that vendetta just shifts and it grows. The problem is, is a lot of these individuals become informal leaders very quickly and in a negative fashion. Um, a lot of times these officers are good officers and they do step up during critical incidents or critical events. Um, and younger officers or you know, even their peers at times, they look towards these individuals because they know, you know, when it's when, when everybody has to step up because it's an emergent situation or it's something involving another officer, that this individual as toxic as they are is going to perform and usually performs well. And the problem is, is they gain more stature in the uh, pecking order of leadership for the people below them because, OK, well, he's a grump all the time and he has a bad attitude all the time. But you know what? If it's me and him out in the street and it's we have to we're going toe to toe with somebody, I want him there. That's 
a situation I've found multiple times with these type of employees. That's actually a really good uh, point there because our most influential group is, is our newer officers coming in, the people who have under five years of experience, they're looking at modeling themselves after someone else. And here you have your toxic employees, like we said in this, in this conversation already, they know their job. They do their job well, but they are so toxic with what they do while doing it that they affect negatively the impact, again, because of their superiority. But they have that, that street savvy to um, the charisma and what that might do to your most influential employees is suck them into the negativity of that us versus them syndrome. You know, as command staff officers, at middle managers, first line supervisors, we, we're all supposed to be one team. But unfortunately, what these toxic employees do is they continually pit that us versus them syndrome to put a divide between the, the guys on the street and those who are supervising them and wanting to, to substantiate their own self-worth, wanting to continually force that hand of it's that us versus them. That's where management has to watch too, where you're putting these individuals. Because if you put a weak supervisor supervising a true toxic senior employee, um, you're setting them up for failure also. So a lot of times you have to be cognizant of who's supervising who. Um, make sure you have to put a strong personality with these individuals. Like Jason said, I think earlier is the most important thing is you have to address these individuals. You have to you as a supervisor has to have the ability to have that conversation. You have to go and at least to the best of your ability, try to make them part of the team. They're not going to buy into it, but at times you can, by empowering them, using them for a certain task, asking them to um, talk about their experiences. And even sometimes it may not be the way you want it to come about at least they're engaged in a way with management that you're kind of working in concert as compared to just adversarial relationships, which is what they're looking for. And if you're engaging them, then all of a sudden, well, wait a second, I'm like kind of working with the sergeant here or talking to the lieutenant or the captain. And it's it takes a little bit of the wind out of their sails. And the other people also are, the biggest thing with toxic employees and the most important thing about toxic employees is everybody's watching you the supervisor, everybody's watching the administration. What are they going to do about this toxic employee? Why are you as the boss? Why are you as administration not dealing with this individual? Why are you allowing this to happen? That does more damage than the toxic employee. So that kind of brings us right into, um, you know, what Jay was saying is, is get to that root cause of the issue. And you started hitting right upon the, uh, the next part of it is now that we know what we're dealing with a toxic employee, we know it's a toxic employee. We've identified the behavior. We got to the root cause of the issue being he is, he is the cancer to our team. Jay, what, what do you think? How do we, what are some of the things we should be doing in that next step to, to deal with them? So, I mean, specifically as like a first line or frontline supervisor, you you need to understand the individuals that are working alongside you and underneath you. So if you don't even have that basis for that particular toxic employer, someone that's on the brink that you think may be toxic, you're already kind of behind the eight ball. 
You should have a good working knowledge of these individuals, what makes them tick generally, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. So if you don't have that, you certainly need to sit down, you know, immediately as quick as possible, speak with that individual and, and just have a, a real in-depth specific conversation with them. You need to delve into, you know, what their desires are, what their, their thoughts for their future. If they've got some time left, you have to talk about maybe some things that were issues in the past that they felt maybe, you know, unheard or underrepresented. You have to kind of portray yourself and I'm not just saying it portray like, you know, pretend you have to honestly portray yourself like you do care about their best interests. And that's the first step and in, in maybe starting to change things. I, I, I do agree. And as a first line supervisor, we in, in our courses, people are often asking, OK, well, we know they're toxic, but how specifically do we deal with them? And I always point to two things. We always look at our policies and procedures, general orders, special orders, whatever you call them in your agency. And we look at performance evaluations. Um, those are the two documents that we have in writing, in black and white, that specifically identify standards of our agency. So the, one of the first things you are looking at when you are going to be addressing your toxic employee you have to have your ducks in a row. Look at specific observations that you've had of how they are negatively affecting the working environment. What specifically can you point out? Can you specifically write down exactly their behavior, exactly their actions, their tasks, whatever it may be that you are, want to address? You have to be able to, as a supervisor, write that specific item down. Once you have it down, then you go into your documentation to see how it differs negatively or how it differs in any aspect from what is written in policy, procedure, or contractual obligations. So a lot of this is probably not going to be in your policy, except when you look at like teamwork or if there was a specific call for service that they're looking at. A lot of this is going to fall back on your performance evaluations. Now, I know a lot of agencies say that they don't even have a performance evaluation. If you are COLEA accredited, you will be having a performance evaluation. If you don't, I don't, I don't know how you're accredited. No, you have to be. I know, right? But look at that performance evaluation and look at interaction with others. Look at interaction with department members. What specifically does it say in those policies or procedures dealing with that interaction? And Look to see what an average employee does. Look to see what below average employee does. Does your specific observation meet any of that criteria? If it does, you have definitive aspects to bring them into a private setting, sit them down, express to them exactly what you have observed, show them in black and white, according to our performance evaluation, your actions in this moment fit the below average standard. And you can talk to them specifically because it's in black and white and how they're falling below the agency expectation. And then simply ask them why, why are you doing this? It's tough because um, trying to document a poor attitude is extremely difficult um, because if you wrote down their actions sometimes or their words, and then if you wrote it back to them, it's pretty nothing. It's not a script. 
So you really have to articulate how their behavior is affecting others more than anything. Um, one of the best ways to go after these individuals is because they're looking for a fight. They, they want to be adversarial. They want to have a conflict. They're looking for to show you up is kill them with kindness. Uh, recognize them when you can um, always speak to them in a tone, especially with other officers that um, almost to the back that you're going over the top to be friendly. And it kind of, this will make mess them up a little bit in their avenue of trying to take you down or the administration down. One of the tactics that always worked was, was being able to, again, kill them with kindness. And or what do you think about this? And basically, when you're having the discussion at roll call in a situation and you're critiquing a situation and you ask that individual, well, toxic employee, how do you think we should have handled this yesterday? And more than likely, they're going to spout out the proper answer. And so then you're kind of putting them on notice for the next way that they handle that situation that, well, they knew the handle the situation um, in a proper manner. Very difficult situation to be involved in. Yeah, anytime you're dealing with uh, your observations of how they're affecting others and how they're negatively affecting the team, you have to get your ducks in a row. Like, if you have specific team members identified, obviously you're not going to tell them who those members are, but in your proofs and your documentations, you better have your ducks in a row of, of how it's negatively affecting them. Um, you know, for, for Steve, when you're talking to those communication officers, and they come up to you and you say that, that's, you know, those proofs. But again, you don't want to bring them in unless unless you're going into a lawsuit where they're getting fired for it. You better have those uh, right. witnesses involved. But there's no reason why if the individual says, uh, you know, we're back to the communications with the dispatcher that they have that uh, communications calls the officer and there's that long, silent pause. Like they almost time it perfectly to the, aspect of just when the dispatcher is going to call them again and then they'll answer up in somewhat of a fashion. We just got to tell the dispatchers, talk to those individual dispatchers that don't get upset about that. Just as long as that individual's answering that call, don't take it personally. Everything is business. If you go in uh, with the business mindset of these individuals, it's just business. Whatever kind of message you get back from doesn't matter. As long as they're receiving the call and handling the call, that's all that matters. Don't take it personally. But then you also talk about the other people on your squad, maybe your other informal leaders, your other officers that deal with this person. You know, we have that bystander effect, that bystander training that we actually, a lot of industry is giving people now, especially in the harassment world. Doesn't really apply too much to the uh, toxic employee, but Peer pressure does mean a lot. So if you have that good squad and you have your go-to people, you can try to get them on board with helping you out to make this individual more, I don't know, palatable or bearable during the course of the day um, by getting them involved and having their influence on the employee, trying to make it more positive atmosphere. Yeah. So yeah, definitely like that first step, like Jay said, you know, identify if they're actually toxic or not. And then step two is, you know, talking to them directly. The, the whole point of identifying these specific behaviors and trying to change them needs to be done before we start taking those other actions. So after we can document, we can talk to them, we bring them into that private setting and we discuss 
with them. Why are they acting this way? And, and put it on them. You know, this is my expectation regarding what you were doing. This is what I directly observed. This is how it differs from our personnel evaluations. Of I, you are below standard. I am telling you, I'm doing your evaluation. This is what I observed. This is how I perceive it. And what are you going to do to come up to our standard? Because if you tell them what to do, they're not going to do it. But if you say, what are you going to do to come up to standard? Then it's their plan. Now you document that in writing. You know, you on this day at this time, you were below standard. I brought you in. I talked to you about it. What are you doing to fix it? And I'm going to be following up. I'm going to be watching you over the course of the next 30 days to to make sure you come up to the standard and you don't do this again. If you do do it again, I'll bring you in again. Um, but you have to have that discussion with them. Like Jay, like you were saying, if you don't talk to them, they're not going to know. They're going to continue being toxic because yep. a lot of supervisors are afraid to talk to these individuals. And that brings up an important point that I was just thinking of. So I'm a decently newish supervisor. I got about a year on of uh, direct supervision, but there's individuals that I've worked with throughout my career that have never had these these important conversations with supervisors. And I guess that could be a, a broader, you know, agency-wide issue that I'm sure many agencies, you know, handle. But now, you know, individuals like myself or other, you know, you know, motivated supervisors are trying to address these issues. And they're encountering a little bit of resistance because these toxic employees have never had these conversations and never been expected or seen or been, been brought to their attention, these measurable issues. So that's like a whole broader issue that, that we could talk about, you know, I'm sure for way too long, but <laughs> you're, you're talking yeah. to these individuals and, and what type of ammo are you bringing to these conversations? And is it the right ammo? Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? and, and we, we actually, you know, in our uh, evaluating employee performance and performance evaluations course, we discussed that, but you're absolutely right. Do you have, what, you know, a lot of agencies who have these performance evaluations, the only time they talk to the employee about the what's on the evaluation is the annual review after that is done. And they're always marked that they're a good employee or just above average. These toxic employees are never rated at the level that they actually should be. And that, that it's an agency failing at that point. Then you find yourself having the issue where you're trying to be that supervisor that's making the right change on the next annual evaluation or trying to do a mid-year evaluation, trying to be proactive and have something else in writing that's more than just the annual evaluation. And that just shocks the system to these employees. I mean, really any employee, but certainly the toxic ones. They're just, you know, it's against the status quo. It's too much. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we actually had one of our one of our attendees, one of our participants in our command one class said, you know, he he wanted to do this. He actually had a toxic employee. He brings him in and he tells him, like, this is what you're doing and documented that he sent it through the chain of command. He works for a smaller agency and the, the chain of command kicked it back and said, you, you can't write this. He his last evaluation said he was above average. So you can't write that he's below average right now, mid-year. Why not? People get caught up in their own uh, policies or the way they do business. Um, a lot of people just don't want to make waves. They don't want. They just want to get through the day. 
And sometimes that happens in administration also. They don't realize the effect that it's taking place on the squad or that squad sergeant or those communications people. So that's where that attitude comes from. You talk about, again, we talked about earlier when we are preparing for the class or this podcast, when Jason's talking about ammunition, the most important thing is to make sure that you as a supervisor understand your policies and procedures. And before, as good as this problem employee does, because he's going to know them better than you. So just make sure you're up on all the things that you're going to be talking to this individual about. Remember that police officers solve problems every day and all the problems of the world when they're parked side by side and having conversations. And every time you drive by two mark units and you see them talking, they are solving all the problems of the world. And this is where the communications are taking place. And a lot of times you'll see your toxic employee grabbing onto individuals and having those long-winded conversations with younger employees, trying to influence them. That's where you have to identify who is being, um, for lack of a better word, affected by the employee and make sure that you're having follow-up conversations with those individuals in your squad so you don't lose more people and they don't get a power structure. Yeah, and, and for those uh, those officers that are listening to this podcast who are um, you know, you're looking to become a supervisor in the future. One of the things you want to do is make sure you stay away from these people. Um, they are going to try and influence you. Uh, you don't want to be sucked into their void. Uh, but as far as Jay, what you were saying, uh, you definitely got to keep your bosses informed. If you recognize that there's a toxic employee, you want to take action by telling them, go to your boss before you bring this guy in, go to your boss Tell your boss exactly what you've seen, exactly how it differs from what, what the department expectation is. And then tell your boss, this is what I want to do. I want to bring him into a, into a private setting. I want to show him what it is. I want to show him how he's negatively affecting the squad. And this area of our performance evaluation is where he's falling short. And I just want to talk to him about it to bring it to his attention and then document it so he improves. And then you could take your lead from your boss because as a first line supervisor, even a middle manager, you know, even though you are a boss or a leader to others, you still have to be a good follower to the people who are above you. So you, you have to walk that fine line. So understanding where your boss is and what their expectations are should be incorporated into how you're going to be addressing the, the individual themselves. And really, after you take all these actions, Let's be honest. Some people just don't change. No, you're going to have these people that um, retire on duty, whatever they want to call it. Uh, they're going to be in your organization. You're going to, you know, have that uncomfortable feeling next year when during shift change and you find that they're on your shift or on your squad. The most important thing you do is you can't ignore it, regardless if you're the sergeant, uh, the corporal or the lieutenant you still have to continue battling for the benefit of the organization and the benefit of the other people you're responsible for. Just don't accept it because a lot of people just accept it. And an individual is going to be with you for another five, 10 years. If you don't do something, um, their power base is going to grow and it's going to affect your entire team. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Let's just say that this person isn't going to change or, Let's just say that your administration doesn't care that they're toxic and they don't want you to do anything about it. Um, 
and that happens. It happens in organizations throughout the country. We hear it in every command class. You know, I'm, I'm documenting things that this officer is doing. I send it up the chain, but they don't do anything about it. Um, the first thing we want to strive for, we want to strive for that team approach when dealing with a toxic employee. We want to make sure that wherever you fall in line, if you're a middle manager, lieutenant or captain, your supervisor of that officer knows exactly what you expect them to do, how to document. If you're a first line supervisor, you should know what your boss is expecting you to do with this individual. And your command staff, internal affairs, everyone has to be on the same page with how the agency, if you have a toxic employee, it's an agency issue. It's not just an a, a individual issue. So this person is negatively affecting the team. If you don't cut out that cancer, if you can't get rid of them or you can't change them, you need to figure out as an agency, what are you going to do so that this cancer doesn't spread and affect the entire organization? So everybody needs to be on the same page. In smaller organizations, you you have you can communicate. In your larger organizations, like if you're in NYPD or if you're in Chicago PD, you might not have that full gamut of you know first line supervisor all the way up to you know the superintendent to help you, but have that team approach if you can. Um, that's one of the first things you should try to do so that you can at least be all on the same page of what you're going to do, how you're going to document it, and how you're going to try to correct it. So everybody's in that loop. You got to live with it. It's, it's, but the best you can do is mitigate it. You know, mitigation is a big thing. Um, and maybe if all else fails, you're going to have to have that counseling session with the individual and tell them flat out, listen, um, I'm the boss. I have my expectations for everybody on my squad and you're going to have to live up to those expectations. If you don't, I will become proactive when addressing issues with you instead of being reactive. You know, you're not threatening them, but you're just telling them where it's at and you can have a, an existence where you can both coexist with the toxic employee and the supervisor and making sure it doesn't affect others. Uh, but if you just sit back and do nothing, it's only going to get worse. So Jay, talking about, um, we know that these individuals are going to try and influence our, our, our most influential officers at zero to five years. What are some of the things we can do so that we can make sure that this toxic employee doesn't become a real big cancer to our, our organization or even to our team. So I think the easiest way is to, to try and separate that individual as far as you can. I mean, obviously you're still working in that intimate squad level or, you know, bureau level or whatnot, but if you can give them tasks, jobs, roles that they can work on, you know, as close to alone as possible, you know, if there's, you know, some sort of, a guy that likes traffic and he can just stop cars and he doesn't have to worry about bothering anybody else. Or if, uh, you know, he, he likes walking around the school. I, I've worked with a guy that literally doesn't love patrol, but he loves the school. Let him walk around the school, do property checks. Maybe he becomes an SRO. Maybe that thrives. It's later, in, you know, but that keeps that individual that's having an issue that could spread to your proactive or younger officers away and that's it's the first line of defense against that rhetoric spreading yeah that, that separation that separation is going to be critical giving them those meaning meaning uh those those specific tests to accomplish too that's that's good as well we can um 
limit their involvement with others, keeping them busy, busy work, so that they don't have that time, like Steve said, to sit and meet up with other officers uh, in the park or wherever and just try and, you know, rally them to their to their cause. Well, especially uh, if you can find a task that they find extra value in, because everybody's got their own niches. We, we know that. If you can find one of these tasks or a group of tasks that this individual really does enjoy, that starts to turn the tide for you because it shows that you understand what they value. So, I mean, that's a small start to even, you know, you're having that separation. So at least you're stopping that toxicity from beginning to spread or continuing to spread. But now you're starting to turn the tide towards maybe uh, assisting that employee or bringing them out of the depths of toxicity. Kind of like cutting out the cancer and then starting a treatment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one of the words of caution that we need to talk about is how we, these employees suck up so much of our time and energy. Yeah, these are gonna be, you know, we you referred to them in the past as your five percenters. Unfortunately, you'd hope it would be actually less for that, but they're gonna take up 95% of your time um, instead of doing police work, instead of moving your people forward because you're always trying to do damage control. And the aspect of them, being toxic is just so far reaching. So as Jason said, you got to find something, whether it's uh, static, uh, a static radar detail or whatever. You have to also be cautious though. When we said this, that you can't single them out, make sure that you're not setting yourself up for failure where you're addressing this individual in a manner where you're not addressing other employees the same way. Um, because they're waiting for that. They're looking for that. So uh, just a word of caution on that. You have to be fair and equitable with all your employees, even your toxic employees. And if you don't, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, you know, we, we, when we look at the traditional structure of an organization, you have that top 10% of your, your working group. They're self-motivated people. They are going to come to work. They're energized at work. They are, they want to do the job. They're going to do the job and they don't need your leadership or guidance. They're, they're there and they're motivated to begin with. Then you have that bottom 10%, which is, or even the toxic employees fall into that bottom one to 5%. But that bottom 10%, those are your people who, um, they suck up a lot of our time because they're, they're either a marginal employee or they're a problem employee, they're a difficult employee, or that bottom, bottom, bottom percent, which is toxic employee. And they suck up a lot of our time and effort. And we need to really focus on that middle 80%. That middle 80% of our working group, they're the ones that are, they're looking for that leadership. They're looking for that guiding, mentoring, coaching that we have supervisors in place to do. And they're the ones that are our most influential group is that 80%. And if we're ignoring that 80%, because we're constantly dealing with the negative group, we're going to be adding fuel to that toxic employee's fire because he's going to be able to suck them in even more, more efficiently because we're not paying attention to the group that we can most influence. So like Jay was saying, and like you were saying, Steve, you got to, you got to really deal with them, handle them, but don't 
allow them to take up all of our time. One of the things uh, I do want to talk about, it was brought up, is that um, a lot of times that we, or should I say a lot of times supervisors don't address the toxic employee is because they're friends of higher ups. That seems to be a, a common theme, or at least it's not, even if it's not true, it's a perceived theme. Maybe it's perception more than anything. Uh, Cause usually we see the toxic employees being more senior employees. Um, again, somebody that was maybe passed over promotion or is just never, uh, you know, going to be a patrolman for life type of situation because they never put the effort forward or, you know, other reasons. Sometimes uh, it's legitimate. But the problem is, is they do have the, that association. They were eventually in the beginning, they were probably peers with the now the bosses. They came up through the ranks with the bosses and they've seen badge numbers pass them to become supervisors. And that's where a lot of these issues come from. And that's an intimidation factor for um, younger supervisors and newer supervisors and some of the other officers. I think it's a I think it's really more of a perception than a reality. I really don't think that um, the chief executive or even the command staff would like an agency to be brought down by one individual or they're protected. Uh, but I can't say it doesn't occur. And we, we, uh, we often hear in these classes too, our first line and our, our middle manager courses asking us how to deal with the toxic boss. So, but that, that is a whole nother conversation for another day. Cause I mean, that, that's the toxic boss can definitely affect your working team and your working environment. You have to know how to deal with that. But again, that's, that's a topic for another discussion. And since we're there, we might as well bring that up. If you have any uh, topics for discussion that you would like us to bring up in a podcast, please reach out to us at police training at verizon.net. Um, that's, uh, any, Jay, any last comments before we close this podcast up? No, I think we hit a lot of these toxic employee issues, like, you know, nail on the head. It, it, it's refreshing to talk about it because I think individuals at agencies across the country see this. So to bring it to light and to have kind of a little bit of a, a grasp on, on to, you know, seeing these individuals, pointing them out, trying to rectify the situation, understanding the tools at your disposal, it's important. And I think a lot of people feel lost without that. Steve, any last comments? No, just more important, most importantly, whether it's a toxic employee, a marginal employee or a problem employee, just understand that your team, your people that you're responsible for are looking at you to address it. So whether you address it right, wrong, or whatever, you still have to address it. Just don't let it lay there. And that'll bring us to the end of this episode of LEO Radio. Thanks for listening in. And again, if you have any questions or comments or have any topics of conversation, feel free to reach out to us at police training at verizon.net and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all those social media outlets. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by the J. Harris Academy of Police Training. J. Harris Academy of Police Training is based in New Jersey and provides law enforcement training services nationwide for promotional examinations, use of force, supervisory development, and other key areas within law enforcement. This podcast is utilized to discuss key topics occurring within the profession. 
The opinions and information provided is for entertainment purposes only. In an effort to provide this, we often purposely discuss opposite views and opinions to spark conversation and develop discussion points. The contents of the show and show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if the J. Harris Academy of Police Training is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is redistributed. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast or blog. Under no circumstances shall the J. Harris Academy of Police Training, any guests, contributors to the podcast or blog, or any employees, associates, or affiliates of the company be responsible for damages arising from the use of the information provided.